Welcome to the Five Star Podcast. My name is Tom Savage. I hope you've had a good weekend. Um, This was a massive week for Irish rugby, a massive weekend, I suppose, for Irish rugby. When you look at the the pressure that would have been on Ireland coming into this game, you look at the, I suppose, the expectation that would have been there. I I know I had it. Um, And the eyes of the rugby world, really, on Ireland in this game uh, against France, who look are a great side and are a side who didn't play badly here they played a bit weirdly at times that, 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 that was certainly different from what we've seen from them in the past but they were a great side full of great players and, and Ireland when you look at the, the fellas who would, have, who would have been missing from this starting 15 and the, the wider squad in general to pull out this win and to do it with such style and to do it so emphatically is a real mark of the quality of this Irish side. And I said on social media after the game that now it has to be the slam from here. Like, to go and beat France like that and then not win the slam would be disastrous. Um, Italy are next. Ireland should beat them. Although I have a feeling that'll be a bit of a... or has certainly has the potential to be a bit of a, a gunslinger um, type of game. But you look at the... Away game against Scotland looks like the biggest landmine potentially between now and winning that slam. And England at home, look, I haven't seen all that much to be too frightened about um, with regards to um, England so far. But that may change as as the rounds go on. But to circle back to this weekend, um, as games go, that's about as good as you'll see. Like, I remember, you know, in the last decade, the last, you know, the the 2010s, but even before that, you would have these games that you'd watch that you'd be looking forward to for the entire weekend. And Ireland would have nothing to do with them. Like, Ireland were just not in that conversation when it came to the two best teams in the world slugging it out. Used to be South Africa and the All Blacks uh, in the 2010s. In the the 2000s also, you had like Australia, New Zealand. Those are the type of games you'd be looking at and going, you know, fuck it, these are the ones. And like that would have been the Tri-Nations, for example. But then you'd look at maybe Lions Tours of these games that had such a large amount of heat built up, you know, built up in them. And this game was of the early 2000s, or oh, sorry, of the early 2020s, we'll say, this was that game. And we, you know, it's a lot of these teams like that, that are, you know, close to each other and, 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 you know, close rivals will play each other quite a bit, but the games themselves won't really live up to what they should do or what they, like, on paper, how they should look. And... To be honest, that's why a lot of these teams, they have, you know, like they're quite cagey. 
you know like nobody wants to lose these games everybody wants to win them but nobody wants to lose them and my worry or not worry I suppose but my thought coming into this game was is knowing the way that France play and that they have typically played over the last number of seasons that there could be a lot of tactical kicking in this game early on where both sides would be very very reluctant to play too much ball where Ireland essentially would be trying to play counter transition rugby France would not get into that and look to try to play their kick pressure rugby which would mean a lot of kicking and you're waiting for somebody to make a mistake and then the game would start but from the start here France looked like they were intent on making a statement and it was a very interesting thing Uh, a subscriber by the name of Owen uh, sent me I think it was on Sunday a clip from the Canal Plus uh, coverage of the game and they have footage from halftime and they had stuff there at halftime that showed Fabien Galtier speaking to his team basically telling them to fucking chill out and pull it back a bit and to kick the ball way more and to play less rugby in their own half of the field like I spent a good amount of time before the game um, looking at what France have been doing over the last number of, 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 of seasons and, and recently as well and the one constant all the time was high kicking volume high kicking distance very little rugby played in their own half of the field this game flipped that completely early on like completely flipped it where France were going through screen plays they were running through multi-phase possession and this was all happening you know inside their own 10 meter line this is wild like like th- that just doesn't happen and hasn't happened with France like the biggest I- I'd say quality that has shown in the kind of the I say the resurgence of France getting back to their best and getting back to being the team and you know or one of the best teams in the world has been a stripping back of their game they're still very dangerous on transition and they will like they will play some beautiful rugby on transition but for the most part France's game is based on a metronomic and incredibly disciplined kicking game where if they win the ball back in and around their team in her line or in, like around halfway depending on the opposition they will kick that and they will look to kick pressure you constantly beat you up on defence and go from there now in this game I expected them to do broadly the same like against Ireland last season they managed to do that quite well and defensively were able to handle Ireland on transition really really well but the difference here was is and and actually I was going to say like I don't actually know why France played the way that they did I don't think that it was a coaching instruction I don't think so because like people have this idea that that coaches control players like uh, an Xbox controller you don't you give players a game plan and you give them information before the game you lay out a way that, that you would like them to play but there's always a license for fellas to go and make a play if they see it so when I watched the game back I saw the halfbacks DuPont and Antemac playing a lot of rugby and sometimes like the players see that out in the field they maybe sense an advantage they maybe sense that like that you have collision dominance for example and you want to try and exploit that but there's a cost to all that and when you look at what Fabian Galtier has done at France and, and, and he's brought in Sean Edwards as well and they've been hugely successful the arrival of Sean Edwards it completely is in step with the game plan that 
uh, France wanted to implement or that Fabien Galtier wanted to implement. He wanted to pull down their on-ball moments and to get rid of those. Get, like, as in, get rid of the vast majority of the sort of the, the phase play that, that France would typically have done under, under Marc Livermont before him. And he wanted that gone. And he's replaced it with a long kicking game, which Antoine Dupont, you know, uh, Melvin Gemini, uh, Roman Antimac, Thomas Ramo, a lot of these guys are very, very good at playing. They get a lot of length in that ball, mostly, and they've got a lot of athletic wingers and other midfielders who can chase up and stress the return of the ball. And by the time the uh, player who the ball is being kicked to, because remember, the ball is in, is in flight for four, sometimes four and a half seconds. By the time that ball has reached the runner, which is deep in their territory, if they're running it back, the French heavy defenders, and they don't really pick small guys in their pack, like they don't really have a small forward. You might say Julien Marchand is the only small forward that they have in their pack build. The rest of them are all big, strong, heavier build players. And they will meet you at the gain line. And that's when you start getting smashed. When you start to run the ball back too much against this French side, they beat you up. And the Sean Edwards defence, and Sean Edwards is an outstanding, one of the world's best defence coaches in this game, he amplified all that. And, and that, that allowed that kick pressure to almost connect the dots. And all of a sudden, France were humming and an incredibly difficult team to beat and won most of the games that they played. They were on a 14-match winning streak coming into this game. So when you look at what that has done for France is it's just created this self-sustaining style of game that to an extent defies analysis right but the reasoning why or the reason why France play this style I think Fabien Galtier understands this as well is that the better your kick pressure game the less the physics of rugby apply to you um, by physics of, the, of rugby I'm talking about if you are a 125 kg human being, a big, muscular, even if you're an athlete, there's a cost to running around the field. Like there's a cost to every action you make. If you're a player who's north of 125 kg, big, heavy, powerful. Typically, guys who are that size, you end up getting burned out. And that, that, that was the idea before, you, that you would run around a big French pack that you would run them around you would tire them out now France typically play a 6-2 split so they will have 6 forwards 2 backs on their um, on their on their replacements bench because they understand that if you've got a pack of 8 forwards and there's going to be a lot of kick pressure involved they're going to be moving a fair bit and they like to have a lot of size in the front row Cyril Boy a massive human being and he's not even as big as Uni Antonio, another incredibly big human being. Then you've got Paul Willemson, you've got other players like that, Roman Tawa Fifafanua. Uh, These guys, they use as, like, they're heavy hitters. And they're very powerful in the scrum, they're very powerful in the line-out mall, and on, you know, settled face play, which France don't do a whole lot of unless they are deep in your 22. But... They're big, heavy, solid defenders who they get these really sticky tackles on you. They're very difficult to get, you know, to get rid of, to clean off. And, and they're basically a team who they, they get rid of your clean ball for you. Like you think that you're coming in to play quick ball. That French team with the size and power that they have, certainly in defense, 
they slow down your ball they make you kick on their terms and all of a sudden you find yourself losing territory losing points and you're kind of just going backwards constantly against that French side when teams have been beaten by France over the last number of years Ireland included that's what it's looked like and you look at their backs that they have the likes of Gail Ficou I think they miss Jonathan Dante a lot in this game uh, I think he certainly would have played he obviously was injured there before the Six Nations started um, they miss somebody who could punch a few holes for them in midfield off maybe one or two passes They're like not, not that the likes of Gail Ficou or uh, Mofana are you know powder puffs when it comes to winning collisions but no um, I think they missed Jonathan Dante I think they missed the likes of a Verimi Vakatawa a reset player um, but every team has injuries and you've got to make do with what you have and um, it could have worked the structure that they had but they just never got into the game and I think you look at well actually that that isn't necessarily true either like in the first 15 minutes France looked like an incredibly dangerous outfit but the energy that they expended to earn essentially six points like that could have been 14 points Ireland in that same position kicked down the line and looked to try to maul and get over and really establish dominance that way like for for Ireland that's the the, the best approach that, that that we like to try to do is to when you win a penalty on the front foot you put it down the line unless the, the scoreboard is pretty tight I think if Ireland had the momentum that France had in the early going of this game we kick down the line and look to try to maul it um, France they typically like to take the three and look both approaches are sensible and, and I, I like there's logic for both like I said France didn't even really play poorly they just played a lot now in the Wally ratings I wrote uh, a bit about how this is the most rugby that this French team has played as a collective in years the ball in, t- in playtime in this game was insane 46 minutes that is massive that is one of the biggest ball and play times that there's been this season in test rugby and France are not built either you know with their starting pack or their 6-2 split to play that much rugby active possession either either actively defending or actively attacking they're not built to play that amount of rugby and you look at last week against uh, Italy where they struggled in that game as well that was on the upper end of what they would have expected typically Typically, they play between 34 to 35 minutes of, of, of rugby during the 80 minutes. There's not a lot of dead time in rugby where either a scrum is getting set up or there's a line-out getting set up or, or whatever else. There's lots of dead time. But this game was 10 extra minutes of high-intensity rugby, which doesn't sound like a lot. Because, again, we're talking about, like, you know, incrementally adding minutes here or there at the end of a half or at the end of a sequence. Like, it's a lot. And, I, and as I wrote the Wally ratings as well, I mean, like the Toulouse side, of which there are many uh, players in this French squad, they played 43 minutes in 100 minutes of game time against Munster in that, in that Aviva Stadium game, which went to uh, full 80 minutes and then two halves of added time, or, or of extra time, and then a penalty shootout. Like, they played 43 minutes of ball and play time in that game. This game was only 80 minutes and it was 46 minutes. That in itself is something that, one, Ireland wanted and encouraged, but also that France did to themselves. France did that to themselves with the ball that they played in that first 15 minutes. In the direct aftermath of that, they looked leggy. They looked like they were blowing. Their defensive structure 
there was gaps appearing as Ireland transited across the field guys like Uni Antonio like we look at the at the, the yellow card he got personally I feel that should have been a red card but you look at that and, and, and that's like the, the couple of minutes beforehand when Ireland scored that, that try from James Lowe which also shouldn't have been a try by the way I got it confused in the TRK radio thing I thought that the red card happened first but no the try happened first then the red card I get why France would feel hard done by about the try and I think that the yellow card that Antonio got I think sort of referee balances that out to a certain extent because he probably should have got a red card for that personally he's been cited today I would expect he'll get a ban but I think chief in the mind there of Wayne Barnes to a certain extent is player safety yeah but given the scale of the game I think he would be very reluctant to send off a guy inside the first 25 minutes like these are human beings and they understand the importance of the game itself that was a bit of I won't say like refereeing the game the sport rather than the incident um, but for me that should have probably been a red card and, and probably would be if this was like Ireland against Italy and the Italian player sending in for Uniatonio here makes that tackle in the 65th minute he gets a red carded like for sure but yeah, I, I'm not going to complain too much about it because, you know, there, there was things on both sides. But you look at the, like, the, the minutes after they went into that lead and, or no, it wasn't even a lead, they got their two penalties and then they were just really struggling. They looked really gassed. Their defensive structure was losing the sort of rigidness and the punch that it's known for. Their blitz looked a little slow. I think they burned themselves out in that first 15 minutes and it took them a while to recover. The damage was done in this game to France in that period between 20 minutes and 40 minutes. That's what lost them the game. That's where they conceded the tries that really hurt them. And like that's why it's to me such a remarkable game because that was so unexpected from France. I'm thinking even Andy Farrell was shocked how France approached the game and for me the biggest thing that they'll take from this is they look back at this game and they'll go we played too much fucking rugby in our own half of the field we went off scheme we lost our tactical discipline and we lost and they'll be thinking that we spent 50 I was talking about this in TRK Radio they spent 57 seconds in the Irish 22 and they still scored 19 points with more tactical discipline how much better could they have been because when you play with good kick pressure and good tactical discipline you control the clock you are in charge of what the ball and play time is here it's like Ireland and France were having a slugfest and France decided to throw Ireland a pair of brass knucks and got knocked out and it's just like that, I was shocked watching the game back when I saw the ball in playtime I first thought Jesus Ireland did a really good job of hanging on to the ball and, and we did like look we paid 25 minutes of, of, of possession of our possession total but then when I saw France with 21 minutes and 10 seconds I was like what? that is like I couldn't I couldn't I couldn't, I couldn't believe it like and then when I looked at the, the amount of possession that they played in their own half 62.9% that is so unfrance like it is just again it's just, it, like <laughs> I watch a lot of France of, 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 of Fr- I watch a lot of France it's a very weird way to phrase that 
I watch a lot of French rugby, but I also watch a lot of the French national team over the last number of, of seasons. And their kick pressure that they play, for me, was just very, very interesting because it was such a winning tactic and it allowed them to play also transition rugby when the circumstances were correct. So in this game, like I fully expected that they would play the heavy kick pressure game, that they would have a bit of trouble trying to adapt to the new breakdown, um, the, 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 the latest new breakdown interpretations. But with that, like that gives you uh, such a, a power to dictate the game when you play good kick pressure as France almost always do. And they just, they just were so different here. It was such a shock. And watching the game, that back that, but that was my big takeaway. And when we look at their game against Italy the week before, like they played a, a relatively large amount of, of possession, like ball and play time for them. Like I know they tend to up it against likes of Italy anyway, but like even then, they only played 15 minutes of ball and play of on Italian ball or on, on, on their possession against Italy last week. So Italy played 20 minutes, which is a lot. And 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 Italy were looking to try to, ge- to to generate the same sort of conditions that Ireland later did. But it was effective for, for Italy in, in that moment as well. And like when, when we look at the time in the, the amount, the amount of uh, possession, the percentage that France spent in their own half against Italy, it was 34.5%. Against Ireland, it jumped up to like coming up on double that, which is, again, so off scheme, and they look to try to go back to that in the in the in the in the second half to go back to more of what they of what they knew and what they on what they're good at really. And it tightened the game up, and there was no score there for a while, and Ireland only got the bonus point quite late in the game. But by that point, like it's a bit like if you're on a trek somewhere and there's no place to stop and get your supplies like what you eat on a Tuesday comes back to hurt you on a Saturday and it doesn't look like they're connected but they are and that was the big takeaway from this one was how how burned out France looked as that game progressed and the 6-2 split came on and the, the pace was still quite high it wasn't as high as the first half which is as good a half of rugby as you'll see anywhere of two top teams going right at it it was just remarkable remarkable how that game played out and I think that you will be very slow to see France repeating that amount of ball and play time. And I think that'll be a massive work on for them over the next two weeks. They've got Scotland next. And Scotland will be looking at what Ireland did here and going, we want to generate that same type of game. But it's easier said than done. Like, Ireland's, like Ireland were able to control the ball and play here by just some excellent kicking by the entirety of the back line. Like, uh, Stuart McCluskey kicked really well like he his ball handle percent would normally be 100% it was 93% here he had one really good kick that got great distance that went into the tram lines but stayed in field and that kept the pressure on France keeping those kicks in field Gary Ringrose his ball handling percent was down 76% that's typically quite low for Gary Ringrose he kicked really well also same with James Lowe he's a, a really good edge kicker you'd expect him to kick more he did he kicked more than he did last week 62% of his um, of his uh, ball uh, ball handling percentage was 62% Johnny Sexton's was 96 so Johnny Sexton kicked way less but the other uh, players in the back line kicked way more to compensate McCluskey, Ringrose in particular, Mac Hansen kicked well, Hugo Keenan kicked very well, another guy who had an outstanding game. 
all that kind of accurate kicking, like if you're not making mistakes with that game plan, France have to play. And Ireland got really good pressure on the French kicks. Thomas Ramo had a really poor game, like looked really poor. Uh, Roman Antemak, who I almost just there called, uh, I almost just called him Amil Antemak, which is his father. I'm getting very old. Um, they just looked out of source, uh, sorts when it came to their their structure, like they were going off scheme. And when teams go off scheme, I've said this before, like France are very good on transition. Like when they get, to, like the, the try that uh, Damien Penault scored, outstanding, one of the best tries you'll see this year, really, really good. But when the uh, when, when France decide that they're going to play a whole ton of on-ball phases that'll go 7, 8, 9, 10 phases, they aren't conditioned for that in that area of the field. Like, they're not. Like, when you're defending, or when you're attacking, rather, in the opposition 22, the lines are shorter, right? Because the, the try line is, like, 5 or 6 metres away. So the defence can't be that aggressive so it's easier to retain the ball now the collisions are just as hard but the the lines of running there isn't as much distance to cover when you're going eight or nine or ten phases in the middle of the field from your 10 meter line up to the opposition 10 meter line that is physically very very exhausting and we saw this this year how difficult it was for Munster to adapt to playing with 10 11 12 phases like as as a matter of course during the game France tried it and their, like, their collective cardio dropped like a stone in the immediate aftermath. That plays a part in the winning and losing of the game, and that's that. And like, y- y- this isn't to dismiss what Ireland did, but because Ireland were outstanding, and this was an outstanding game. And France, like I said, did not play poorly, but that plays a part in this game going the way that it did. And it reminded me so much of Leinster versus Toulouse last year in, in the Heineken Cup semi-final. Like the way that Toulouse ended up playing a ton of extra ball and play that they're not used to, off the back of a week prior playing another huge ball and play um, uh, game as well, and all that comes back to cost you. Cardio is the hidden X factor in this game. That if you play just even two or three minutes of extra rugby that you're not prepared for, and I'm not just talking about standing around and like you know pointing at a line out or whatever else. This is the high intensity attack or defense that can plummet like that can bring you down and you're redlining and you might thinking it's only two or three minutes but the two or three minutes of that amount of like the, the physical demands that are on you it can kill you and it can absolutely destroy you in those moments you can get your bench on but then like, after a while they're kind of redlining as well and like that's the sort of game that like that I won't say the game is going that way but I think the last two weekends We've seen a quicker game. We've seen that uh, World Rugby trying to get this game going and getting it a little bit more high tempo. Like, if that's the case, Ireland are really well set because we're a very fit team anyway who are just that bit bigger than the other teams who might be in that kind of light heavyweight category, same as ourselves. Like, heavyweight teams like the like the French and the Springboks, for example, they may really struggle if this law is taken to its complete natural like extension of okay we want 40 minutes ball and play time all the time if that's something that world rugby are looking to try and get where you're getting at least like 36 minutes at the very least like when france played uh the springboks in uh the autumn nation series this year there was 29 minutes of ball and play both those teams understand what they are and they understand how you have to manage your cardio and uh 
they did in that game and they had a slugfest but for, for Ireland I think we saw here high ball and play time against this French side and all of a sudden things become way more complex for them and uh, yeah but I, I would be surprised if you see France going off scheme like that again um, anytime soon uh, but yeah th- that was a, a the, the massive talking point of the game for me uh, you will not be seeing this week a breakdown of that Hugo Keenan try because one that just that stuff just does not interest me <laughs> It just, it just really does it, and there are so many other guys who are doing those. Like Murray Kinsella has done one, uh, probably the best one. Um, Evan Kavanagh, a bunch of other guys have done that. So, like, they're really worth watching. I'd say Cav- Evan Kavanagh's EK EK Rugby and uh, Murray Kinsella's are probably the best ones to look at. Um, but yeah, like that was very nicely taken again. But I look at the the what what interests me is what came before, which is the uh, 10 or 11 phases of high intensity rugby that were held up and this was directly after itself a high intensity period of of phase play by France those two things to me are not connected there was a ton or or, are not unconnected I would say there was a ton of bad falls of bad reads of you know French forwards not transiting across the ruck um all the things you associate with a team who are blowing black smoke and you can see the screws and those little springs falling out the back of them like they were really struggling as this game went on and uh, it'll be it'll be a good illustration as to what happens when you don't necessarily tire a team out but that you allow them the circumstances where they themselves tire out and through their own actions but like I said I don't see that happening again to France anytime soon uh, some really outstanding performances here Certainly on my first three or four watchbacks, uh, I've got a bit of work done on the breakdown. Peter Manny was very impressive again. Uh, Connor Murray, great performance by him. Probably should have had a penalty try during the game too. I saw there uh, when I was going through the game earlier, there was one that really, to me looked like the, the, the two tacklers that got him were offside. Um, but I thought Connor Murray played well. Pass quality was fantastic. Pace to the breakdown around the rock. He's looking fitter. Um yeah looked looked really really good um and was trying to commit defenders around the breakdown as well which is something that people have been asking him to do and like defensively looked really good as well great performance from from Connor Murray I thought Johnny Sexton had a couple of really good moments like running in a straight line fair folks for 30, 37 years of age uh had one really good break two really good breaks actually but uh I think overall not a massive game from him and it's he's out with a groin injury now because uh, I think he got injured like I think he first got hurt on a tackle by Uni Antonio um, where Antonio seemed like he was blitzing on him for five minutes <laughs> and he was he was trundling towards him like man I'm just like could you make the tackle please and uh, Johnny got stuck and seemed to come up a little bit gingerly off the ground but like He's going to be in the wars anyway. Like he's thirty-seven years of age, playing the game when it's at its most physically demanding uh, that it's ever been. So he's going to get injured. Like he's just going to get hurt most games he plays now. If you're playing any sort of serious high-intensity opposition, it'll be very difficult to see Johnny playing the full eighty minutes ever again. To be honest, but uh, I thought that uh, Casey and and uh, Ross Byrne looked really good off the bench. I know I would say it anyway. But I was more impressed with Craig Casey. I thought his accuracy, his pace, his tempo, the pass quality, his decision making, 
all very, very good. And he made, and I'd say he made the environment where Ross Byrne didn't necessarily have to deviate too far from what we know he's good at, which is the stepping and slinging. The extra second that he had allowed Ross Byrne to make some pretty accurate passes for the most part, where his own breaking threat was almost, it was generated just by his position based on the pace and the width the Casey was able to get on ball uh, and also kick quite well did did uh, Craig Casey also but so did Ross Byrne and like Ross Byrne over the last two games he's been asked to come off the bench you judge a guy on how he runs in the system he's running the system well I can have no complaints with that guy so that's something that I, I think that Ross Byrne could be quite proud of how he managed these last two games uh, I thought Hugo Keenan was outstanding again just one of the very best in the world at the moment, fullbacks, players, you could say, in general. He just makes very few mistakes. And now that he is making fewer uh, interventions at first receiver, he looks even better because he's not doing something that he isn't that good at. His playmaking was the biggest issue that I had in his game. Now he just doesn't do that anymore, and he looks absolutely elite. Uh, Mac Hansen, James Lowe, these guys stepped in and and were were, were playmakers off the wing, uh, which really suits both players, Hanson in particular. Um, but yeah, Hugo Keenan, outstanding, looked flawless in this game. Flawless, like as good as there is in the game at the moment, bar none. Um, I thought that Kalen Doris was outstandingly good, just it did so much of everything. He's a utility wrench. He's not a guy who you 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 put in for one particular role. He does a ton of stuff really really well. He's ridiculously fit. He's added size as well. He's added a little bit of extra bulk. Uh, just technically a really really good player. And at the moment, like you're not moving him from that starting back row. Whatever about roles or whatever else, you're not moving him from the starting back row. And with the spots that that Ireland use at six and eight, Doris can do both right but his role sets will just be slightly tweaked depending on them um so there's a a road to a jersey there for Gavin Coombs I feel off the bench at the moment but when you look at like the way that Ireland used that number eight jersey Caelan Doris is outstanding and like you look at his performance here genuinely of the highest caliber uh Peter Romani and Josh van der Fleer if you weren't paying attention, you could come away from this game saying that they had quite games. But both were very, 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 very busy, very industrious, which is a, another word for busy. Um, but they were very strong in the basics of their position, which is very, very important. In the aftermath on, of this game on, on Sunday, there was a lot of talk about, about Peter Manny, as there always is. I think people are wanting him out of the team for some reason. There's a, a group of fans who, who want this guy out of the team for whatever reason before he gets 100 caps. Um, that isn't happening until his primary function, he is no longer fulfilling it. And at the moment, his line-out work, not just jumping, but lifting and maul D and maul attack is very strong but also his breakdown work on both sides of the ball is incredibly good. The latch he got on Porter, that try doesn't get scored in right there without Peter Romani. His work at the breakdown, I like I haven't gone through it fully, but he's going to be in top five, I would say, despite playing 60 minutes at for his breakdown involvements offensively. Defensively, he's a guy, you can just see him constantly organising the defence on the edges. Like, he's a really good edge defender because he's got the sort of pace and agility in short spaces and short bursts that he can cover 
wingers he can cover midfielders and that's very very important he's driving and leading that defence from the edge which is in the way that Ireland defending is very very important so like these are all things that if you're just watching the game you see the carries you see the passes you see the guys scoring tries or kicking points you might think that Peter Romani isn't doing all, doing all that much but the chasing that this guy was doing the like he's chasing kicks he's covering transition D uh, like uh, uh, sequences like the ground he covered 60 minutes like again because he's, he's, he's pushing on which <laughs> again like I'm 40 this guy's 33, 34 so when I'm talking about him as pushing on I'm speaking relatively with regards to professional rugby he's getting to that age now where guys start thinking about finishing up but the ground this guy is covering is unbelievable and he's covering it in the edge spaces which means that there's more ground to cover go back and watch the charge downs that Mac Hansen got on Thomas Ramo. You got one or two of them. Peter Romani is right there with him, covering on the edges. That's why he comes off looking shattered. It's not doing 15, 16 tackles a game. It's not doing 15 or 16 carries a game. But it's equally as important as those things. Because I think people can understand intellectually that when people say, uh, like our pundits or, or coaches or whatever else say, Ireland playoff really quick ball at the ruck that's a very important part of our game but then gloss over a guy like Peter Romani whose primary function in this team is to keep that breakdown humming at those speeds people kind of forget about it it's a bit like you only really you know you only only think about a mechanic when your car is broken down you don't think about your car you don't think about the mechanic when your car is running well and that's kind of what Peter Romani is he is the mechanic of this team uh, the front five did really well. The scrum was not a factor in this game. There was about four scrums total. Not a big deal. Not a like not a problem. So you're talking about like Porter scrummaging. Yeah, he got he got tucked up on one of them, but who cares? There's only four. There was like there was, and he didn't even get penalized. It doesn't matter. For the rest of the game, Porter was outstanding. Like his ball carrying, his defensive work, his breakdown work. He is so big and physical. Just a really, really good player. The scrum. I thought it might be an issue for him in this game, but scrum was a non-factor. So when the scrum was a non-factor, Porter's one of the best players in the field. Rob Herring did well uh, during his time in the field, hit breakdowns really hard. Ronan Kelleher came off the bench though after uh, Rob Herring failed his HIA. Uh, Ronan Kelleher was very strong. I thought he looked very, very good and looked like the guy that he was when he first broke through. Ireland at hooker, it's rare we've had that sort of quality there to be honest because uh, any of the three or four top guys I will say three top guys in that in that depth chart could start and not really people could look at it and go did not have not have that many problems with it um, James Ryan good game uh, good basics good line out calling physical that's kind of what we want from James Ryan against big physical opposition like when France burned themselves out, James Ryan was walking all over these guys. And like, that might sound like a backhanded compliment, but the two things are linked. But that's what we want from James Ryan. This guy started off looking like a generational talent. For me, he's plateaued over the last number of years. This was a, a, a shoot upwards in performance this week against a big French pack. That's what we're looking for. Great stuff. Finley Beelham as well, I thought, had a very strong game. Of course, did that lovely pass in that move, which I, again, I, I don't care about that, but he had played his part well in that. Um, Looking at Tyburn, good game as well. Unfortunately, he got injured. Seems like a bad one, to be honest. 
I think uh, talk is that he's after breaking an ankle or something along those lines. We'll know for sure in the next coming days. But that's a big loss for Ireland and obviously for Munster. But uh, Ian Henderson came on, played really well, I felt. Jack Conan, a couple of good moments off the bench. Wasn't that impressed, really, to be honest. But he's not my type of player. So, you know, take my bias, you know, fr- from that, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, look, I think overall, really good performance from Ireland. Uh, really well balanced. The backline did so well in the actual building the framework of the game that we wanted to run. Uh, and France had no answer. And once, like I said, France spent the majority of this game running into Ireland's punches, jaw first, pants down around their ankles, and got and got knocked out and got beaten pretty badly in this game. I mean, and look, I know it was only 13 points, but I'm speaking relatively here. I'm not sure. I certainly didn't expect Ireland to win by 13 points. I didn't expect anybody really to win by double digits in this game. So for Ireland to do so, and in the manner that, that Ireland managed, that is very impressive, without question. So for now, you look at the, the the players who I've been speaking about, maybe looking for opportunities. I think everybody who's featured in the last two weeks, like Murray and Casey at at, at, at Scrum Half, I think that Doris, all the like you know Keenan, Hansen and Lowe, like Stuart McCluskey, these guys should take some moving from those positions now. Like I don't see a massive amount of of bolters from at this point shooting into the main team unless there's a raft of injuries in one particular position maybe rightly so when a team is playing as well as this and like I was looking for them to perform against France they did so so now look I'm a believer if I asked them show me they did so for me the guys who were there they have like as in you just have to keep working you can't, You have to hope I say hope here because you don't really hope a guy gets injured but you just hope for an opportunity that way I don't see a massive amount of change between now and the World Cup between this team because look, the team that did this add in Furlong, whose injuries are getting a little bit of a concern for me now at this stage, Henshaw, uh, guys like Sheehan, this team can win a World Cup. I truly believe it. I truly believe that this team can win a World Cup. Yeah, look, it'll be harder because if we play France again, they will not do to themselves what they did here. But we've shown that we can live with these guys. But not only that, we can beat them and we can put a bonus point on them. That is hugely significant. And it's something I think when you look at the the way that they've been playing, you won't see no arguments from me. This is the best team in the world. And if we keep this going, we should win a slam. And by the time September, October rolls around, we should win a World Cup as well. This team is more than capable of that. And it's something I think that it's been a long time coming, but... It's there for them. They have the capacity to do it. And honestly, never thought I would see today, but this team is capable of it. Thank you very much for joining me. Thank you very much for being a tier case subscriber. I will talk to you again very, very soon.